So when we feel stressed out, our brain is sort of archaic in the sense that it doesn't know that you've got a deadline or your kids are late for school, or if you're being chased by a lion, like it's all the same signals, right? And so when our brain does not feel safe to have a baby, whether or not you want to have a baby, it does not send the signals to ovulate to, you know, all of those things. And so stress can really down regulate our healthy hormone regulation. And so it starts to prioritize cortisol production rather than progesterone production. And that gets all the way down to the cellular level. But the bottom line is we start to create and produce more cortisol instead of the progesterone. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey y'all, welcome back to Hopeful and Wholesome. Today I have on the show Krista Elza, and Krista is a nurse practitioner, and then she is also trained in functional medicine, and she is also knowledgeable about all things hormones and thyroid and digestive issues, and we are going to talk today all about estrogen, estrogen dominance, what it means for you and your body, how we can prevent it, how we even know that we are in an estrogen dominance. And we're going to talk about all other things, hormones. This episode is so informative. She's going to give you so many tips and just tactical things that you can use now, that you can implement now to help balance out your hormones now and as you age. So now you're all going to learn so much from Krista. So let's jump in. All right, guys, let's jump in. I'm here with Krista Elza today, and she is a nurse practitioner, and she is a functional medicine expert who specializes in all things hormones and thyroid. Today, we are going to step on the hormone side of things. And we are talking all about estrogen and estrogen dominance, and what that means. And I'm really excited for y'all to learn from her today. So thanks so much for joining me today, Krista. You're having me, Hope. I'm excited to be here. Me too. So let's start with the basics. So everybody listening, which is usually women, can understand yeah. what exactly is estrogen dominance? What does that mean? Yeah. So estrogen dominance is it's really anytime estrogen and progesterone, there's an imbalance, right? We want to have progesterone balancing out estrogen, particularly at towards the end of our cycle. So anytime we have disproportionate amount of estrogen, that's what we kind of coin and term estrogen dominance. And, you know, estrogen is super important. It's, it's pivotal to puberty, to breast changes, to the proliferation of the uterine lining to get pregnant. So estrogen is a beautiful thing, but we have to keep that in check because when estrogen gets out of hand, then we start to have symptoms that, you know, that are irritating us. A lot of breast tenderness, irritability, low libido. It really can create problems with women who already have issues with fibroids and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that in a nutshell is what estrogen dominance is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, when we talk about estrogen dominance, that's what we mean. There's a disproportionate amount of estrogen in ratio to progesterone. Right. Right. So what are some things that are causing this? Cause, and I feel like we see this more and more, we hear a lot about it, like, you know, 
and things that are, you know, supposed to get rid of extra, you know, estrogen floating around in your body and stuff. So what are things that are causing this estrogen dominance? Yeah. So multi, it's multifactorial. So we can kind of break down and unpack what the causes are, right? So Mm -hmm. there is, there's been a lot more estrogen dominance recognized. I don't know if it's just because we're recognizing it more, but but there's also a lot of reasons that we could be seeing a lot more of it. And so first and foremost would be our diet because our diet is full of pesticides and it's full of hormone induced, you know, milk products and meats and things like that. So we could start there with just what are we consuming in our body? So I would always recommend eating hormone-free meats and dairy products. And then also really looking at any possibility of getting organic fruits and vegetables is super important because the pesticides, all of those can act as estrogen-like chemicals right. in our body right. that can really start to promote that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big reason. Another reason is gut health. Mm-hmm. So we need a healthy microbiome to eliminate our estrogens. So we have to have a point of exit. We use our hormones and then we break them down and then we should excrete them. So if constipation is an issue, that needs to be addressed. And then also if you've got a proliferation of bad bacteria Mm -hmm. in the gut lining, you can tend to have a higher amount of an enzyme that kind of cuts that estrogen off of the excretion pathway and back into the system. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of reintroducing that estrogen back to the body. And so having a healthy microbiome allows that successful excretion. So addressing gut issues is super, super important. And then looking at our water. So a lot of us drink water that we don't really know what's in it and it's not filtered correctly. You could have um, byproducts of waste, you know, that's not really getting rid of the xenoestrogens or estrogen-like things in our water. Even things like too much lead or mercury in your water can really compound your body's ability to excrete the estrogens. So having filtered water, super important, get your water tested. Even if you don't want to get tested, I would definitely recommend everybody have a water filter. That's Mm -hmm. going to be super helpful. And then we have to, we have to consider our beauty products. So women, you know, we put on a lot more to our, on our body every day, a lot more than men. So shampoos, conditioners, lotions, soaps, beauty products for makeups, all of those can contain chemicals that are also estrogen-like. And the big problem with these products is that we're putting them directly on our body. They're not even getting to go through the liver. So it's like in the body, right? And so looking at really cleaning up what you put on your body is helpful. I would look at products like Ilia, beauty Mm -hmm. products, beauty counter. I love detox market because it's just one website, one stop. Oh, awesome. Look through and kind of shop any, a multitude of products on one site. That's good. That's a good resource. It is helpful. Think Dirty app is a really great app to put on your phone. It's free. You can click the um, barcode on multiple products and kind of get an idea of like, what am I exposing myself to mm-hmm. that I have control over? Right. Because so much of what we're exposed to, we don't necessarily have full control over, yep. but we do need to take ownership of what we do. Totally. Yeah. So you can start looking at cleaning products and all of that with that Think Dirty app that can be really, really helpful. So the other, the last thing I want to talk about is BPA. And that is another, you know, I know that there's a lot of awareness around that directly in plastics right now. So 
obviously do your part in buying things that are BPA free using glass containers for storing foods, never heat anything in a plastic container. And you may have heard this before, but BPA is really predominant in receipts. So if you are, you know, a server at a restaurant, I mean, you're handling these receipts and there's a lot of BPA in that. And so be aware, wash your hands, you know, just try to avoid high um, contact with things that contain that. So that's my starting point. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah, no, those are great tips. I love the apps. That's awesome. And I'm a proponent. I use Beauty Counter and I just, and I guess it was, I don't know, maybe earlier in the year, I did like a whole like challenge on everybody getting rid of like, like starting to use more clean products. So Ilya was a brand. I mentioned a lot of brands. So I'm glad that you mentioned those were all great brands to, to, um, kind of Mm -hmm. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So we talked about the things that are kind of causing this to happen. So, well, first of all, let's back up a second. So how, and you mentioned a couple of this, but I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper. What are some symptoms that we might be having? Because a lot of people don't necessarily know that they're in estrogen dominance, right? So what are some symptoms that could kind of tell us that our hormones might be out of whack? Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're in the childbearing phase of your life, infertility, that would definitely be something that you want to look at. Like what's happening here? Do I have enough progesterone? But PMS, so if you're noticing a lot of mood swings Mm -hmm. around your period or really heavy cramping, you know, all of those things that we would associate with PMS, that could be an indicator that you might be estrogen dominant Mm -hmm. mood swings. So really have, I mean, you know, having, having a shift in mood is totally normal and natural that last week, right before a period, because hormones are dropping. I mean, that, that is a fact, but if you're going from high to really plummeting, Mm -hmm. you're going to notice a lot more of a shift, a lot more irritability, crying, you know, things that are kind of keeping you home from work. Like, um, (laughs) So really looking at vast mood swings and then weight gain. Mm. So a lot of times we'll see that if you're having, especially around the thigh area, the waist, the hips, that's predictably, you know, kind of where estrogen likes to hang out. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and if you're having a lot of those kind of symptoms where you just can't shed the weight, heavy periods to longer periods, all of those are symptoms of estrogen dominance that would require, you know, kind of some investigating. Yeah. And I think I'm glad you mentioned the PMS thing because I think a lot of women, and I think this is where, like you said before, I think we are maybe becoming more aware of things now with estrogen dominance. But I think a lot of women just think like, well, my PMS symptoms are just natural. Like I'm just supposed to be like miserable for a solid week before my period starts. Right. But it's like, well, no, not really. (laughs) Not really. Yeah. It's interesting how so many of us just walk around going, I don't know. I feel fine. I don't know. That's just exactly. (laughs) And until you like wake up to the idea that, wow, there's something better and and to be able to get through, you know, and really not have any cramps, um, have a moderate period, you know, like, wow. Yeah. So much. Right. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think I talk about this a lot with my clients too, because it's like most people just wait till they have symptoms to do anything about their health. And let's the same thing with them. And like, well, I felt like I felt okay. Like, oh yeah, I bled for a good 10 days. I'm like, well, that's probably not normal. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So those are the symptoms. So what are some things we can do to kind of help balance these out? Are there like foods we can eat, supplements we can take? What can you do to kind of balance that out to get out of that estrogen dominance? Yeah. There's so many different things that we can do. And I would start first off with balancing gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. And so 
we start there with really, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, obviously doing testing specific to you is going to be helpful as to how to target your specific situation. So everything I'm going to talk about is going to be fairly broad, but they're all things that we could do. And most of us need some support with gut health. Yeah. And so starting there, I would say just start to focus on whole foods, you know, really start to cut out sugar laden foods, overly processed foods, sugar, alcohol, sugary drinks. Alcohol is a big one. I will kind of rant on that for just a minute. I mean, alcohol, <laughs> don't want to be the hated one, but it is true. Like our body has to, a lot of what happens with our estrogen detoxification happens in the liver. Mm-hmm. And when we're drinking, the liver has to take priority over everything else to deal with toxins such as alcohol. And so if you are really struggling and it is your intention to address hormonal imbalance, I would say really cut back on alcohols because it's just, you're just, you know, once you know, you can't unknow. It's just right. not any, any um, service to you. So right. I would start with processed food, sugary laden foods, gluten. A lot of times people have a sensitivity to. And so I would moderate at a minimum how many foods you're eating that are high in gluten. And then a good probiotic. Most people do need a probiotic. Now, if you find that you're having a lot of bloating with the probiotic, I would taper back on that because that could mean something else. But a lot of us could use a little bit of probiotic support. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so sorry yeah. if that helped. Yeah. That's a good tip. And I, I think it's important too to mention about the probiotic is I'm I'm all about gut health. Like that's what I do with my clients. And I think there's it's important to know like there should be a balance. Like there is there is such a thing as too much like normal gut bacteria, right? There has to be a balance of like the normal gut bacteria and like the opportunistic bacteria. So it is important to know like like you said, like if you're having bloating with a probiotic, like it's probably, it could be something else. So it's important to note like yeah. how you feel. I actually love using a spore-based probiotic and that's mm-hmm. what I recommend. Yeah, totally. Time. Yep. Same. I, and the reason for that, and I'm sure you've shared this before, but the spore base doesn't really flourish until it's in the large intestine. Yep. So if you have any small bacteria overgrowth, yep. causes a lot of bloating, we kind of bypass that. So yeah. I would definitely stick to that. And then, you know, really focusing on having organic foods, mm-hmm. you know, like I mentioned before, the pesticides, the fungicides, all of those things really deplete and break down the intestinal lining. So that kind of goes back to the toxic burden and also gut healing. Yeah. Bone broth is actually a really, really helpful supplement. It's, you know, it's natural foods, but that can help to heal and seal the gut lining as mm-hmm. well. And it can be really helpful, especially for people with endometriosis mm-hmm. to throughout the month, take part in, um, yeah, just having some bone broth. You can either yeah. buy it already made or you can make it yourself, but yeah. bone broth is super helpful. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. Other things, um, that can really help with estrogen dominance would be to start taking more fiber. So eating fiber, take a fiber supplement, make sure that you're pooping. Like we've got to kind of, you know, reverse all of our, our pathways. Right. And the number one thing that we've got to make sure we're doing is excreting. Yep. So drinking plenty of water. So your body can excrete well from the kidneys, making sure that you're pooping, adding fiber to your diet can really help bind to estrogens and allow them to be excreted. And then exercise Sweating is another way that our body gets rid of all sorts of toxins, including hormone metabolites. And so sweating or sauna, those are both really, really healthy, healthy ways to to start. And if you want to talk about supplements now, we can. Yeah, Um, let's do it. So supplements that really support not only progesterone production, but also um, detoxification and inflammation. Magnesium, 
we could talk about magnesium. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Magnesium helps on so many levels and yep. with so many things, detoxing, sleeping, progesterone support. So I definitely recommend magnesium glycinate and I recommend 300 to 600, depending mm-hmm. on bowel tolerance, but I, I like to take it at night. Yep. I would say all women need to be Absolutely. On. I say that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Magnesium is our friend. Yep. And then a lot of us have a disproportionate amount of omega-6 to omega-3. And omega-6, as a lot of your listeners probably know, is really, we see a lot in processed foods, in fried foods, just the American, standard American diet. And yep. so, you know, adding an omega-3 supplement is not a bad idea for anybody. That's also one that I would highly recommend across the board. And then really adding a lot of cruciferous vegetables to your diet. It's so important to, I mean, you can take a dim supplement, which is kind of the compound that comes from broccolis and, you know, but if you're, if you're okay with that and your gut can tolerate it, I would add broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. If you don't get overly gassy with those foods, I would add them in because they're so help. They're so important for keeping our estrogen detox down a healthy pathway. Mm -hmm. Great. Those are great foods. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love those. Those are good. And I think, yeah, I think it's important to, to mention like the foods with the supplements, right? I think it's, you have, it's a good balance. That's always my motto, just combining the two using supplements as like that extra insurance. So those are really great. I love that. So I do want to talk a little bit about like hormones as we age, because I get this a lot too, with, you know, some clients I'll talk to your potential clients and a lot of women, I think just have this misconception, I guess, but they have this perception of like, oh, when I get, you know, if I'm over 40 or I'm, you know, menopausal or I'm postmenopausal, like it's just natural for my hormones to always be out of whack. So can you speak to a little bit about like aging and our hormones and like how we can keep the balance? And is that normal, first of all, for our hormones to just always be out of balance as we age? And then can we balance those back out? Yeah. So it is natural for our hormones to decline as we age, but we can always keep them in balance. <laughs> so in our forties, we do tend to start to make less progesterone, which as we talked about before, by definition, now that can create some estrogen dominance because we're just not producing enough progesterone. It's not that we're making too much estrogen. Let's say we even have our gut microbiome in order. It's just that we're not in a space where our progesterone is supported enough. Progesterone, really, we have a good, healthy push of progesterone with ovulation. So as we get closer and closer to menopause, of course, we have months where we don't ovulate or we don't ovulate. Yeah, we don't ovulate as often, but we can have about a decade before actual menopause where we can see a decline in healthy progesterone support. And so I think it would be really helpful to kind of address ways to support progesterone over all of that. And But before I go into the progesterone, I do want to say... Another way to really keep our hormones in balance is to have a good weight, like a good, a healthy weight. And this isn't about being skinny, but it is about creating an environment where we're not storing a lot of estrogens because that tends to, it when we are overweight, we tend to have insulin resistance. And when we need a lot of insulin going on, that can also affect our progesterone push. Mm -hmm. It also can affect our body's tendency to take the testosterone that we're making because women make testosterone as well, but convert that more to estrogen. And so that kind of can compound on itself. Not only are we converting more, we're not creating enough progesterone. So a healthy weight, just healthy lifestyle is super important, but ways to let's get back to progesterone. We want to be in tune with our cycle. 
that's really going to be supportive. So day one is the first day of bleeding so that everybody knows like day one. And so that's where we're going from. And then day 14 roughly is when we ovulate. So utilizing that time to from day one to 14 in our cycle, those are the times that you can give your self-permission to maybe do some intermittent fasting or some longer fasts if that's what's helping you with, with your body weight and with, with hormone balance, because it's super healthy to do that. That's a whole other podcast. But if you're going to be doing intermittent fasting, I would suggest doing it day one to 14, because that's really where your body is shedding the lining. It's building up, you know, it's, it's building up the follicles and things like that. So that's a healthy time to do that. It's also a healthier time to do more intensive exercises. Mm -hmm. What we want to do from day 14, where you ovulate on is really be gentle with our body in not doing any fasting longer than 15 hours during that time period. Mm -hmm. And then also being more gentle with ourselves in workouts. And part of that is because our workouts are a stress to the body. And we want to keep that in balance the second half of our cycle because that can push more cortisol. And so we'll talk on cortisol here in a second, but so being more gentle with your body in workouts. So, you know, the less intense, the second half of the period, and then also making sure you're getting adequate amount of sleep and you're really managing stress, particularly in that window, really all month, we should be doing that, but particularly <laughs> in that window, that's going to help to really protect your progesterone. You also want to be adding a little bit more carbs the second half of your cycle to really nourish progesterone production. So you don't want to be doing keto um, intensely that second half of the cycle. So all that said, you know, women just are not the same as men. I yes. mean, men can work out the same, they can eat the same, yep. they can keto, like whatever. And it's just not, I think a lot of us are waking up to that like realization that women just don't do as well with keto. Yep. They do it consistently the same all month. Right. Right. Because carbs are really important that second half of our cycle. Mm -hmm. So those are some very basic ways to really support progesterone along with those supplements that we talked about. Yeah, that's great. I love those tips on what to do when in your cycle. That's awesome. And because you're right, women are the same as men. Like it, not all the same rules apply to us as it does yeah. to men. So yeah. It's not. And, and really to maintain balance and to flow with your mm -hmm. body as you age it's to really, you've got to be in tune to it. It's not totally. something you can just check out because yep. we're just not, we are cyclical beings. Totally. Right? Yep. Um, and so we've got to recognize that and work with our body. Yep. Touching on stress. And it's so important for women to really get this in our, in our forties before menopause, because when we hit menopause, our ovaries kind of, we shut down. We don't, we don't make that estrogen anymore. We make estrogen in our ovaries primarily, but also in our adrenals and also in fat tissue. And so when we are in chronic stress, which is easy to do in our early, you know, in our late thirties and in our forties, because we've got the kids now, we've got the career now, we've got the relationships, like life is booming. And it's also the time that we've got to acknowledge the fact that self-care is important yep. and stress management is important because all of our hormones start in our brain. So when we feel stressed out, our brain is sort of archaic in the sense that it doesn't know that you've got a deadline or your kids are late for school, or if you're being chased by a lion, like it's all the same signals, yep. right? And so when our brain does not feel safe to have a baby, whether or not you want to have a baby, it does not send the signals to ovulate to, you know, all of those things. And so stress can really down regulate our healthy hormone regulation. And so it starts to prioritize cortisol production rather than progesterone mm -hmm. production. 
And that gets all the way down to the cellular level. But the bottom line is we start to create and produce more cortisol instead of the progesterone. And so that's where you can start to see some estrogen dominance as well, because now we're stressed out. Our body thinks this is not a safe environment to have a baby. We don't need to ovulate. Therefore, we don't produce the progesterone and up goes estrogen. And it's just not, it's not balanced out. Yep. Yep. No, I love that. And it's very irrelevant as that's like my theme this month. I'm doing a masterclass on it. Larry Smith is on stress and like how it affects your gut and cortisol and all those things. So that is like, yeah. I mean, it's so huge. And I think, I think we don't, we don't think about all the things. I think there's some things we need like, oh, we know stress can, you know, make us have sleep problems and, you know, affect certain things. But I think we don't realize like everything that happens downstream, like from the stress, like there's, it's just a, you know, a, a domino effect of things that happens with stress. It really, really is. Yeah. I love the topic of stress because it's just, it's so, it's so important. And I think we, like I said before, you know, we're just in that phase of life in thirties and forties before menopause. Yep. And it's just, it's so important to nourish these systems because when we are running on stress and cortisol is high, we're really taxing those adrenals. Yep. And remember I said, the adrenals do make some estrogen. When we go into menopause, if those adrenals are maxed out anyway, because you've really been calling on them a lot mm -hmm. for cortisol and whether that's stress. And we have to think about stress too, pretty broadly. Yep. Exercise is a stressor yep. and that's why yep. we need to cycle our workouts, mm -hmm. right? Not getting sleep is a stressor. Having gut dysbiosis is a stressor. So we haven't even touched on the external things that we think yep. of as stress. Right? Exactly. And so really nurturing your body and nurturing that environment that way, when you hit menopause in your fifties, you're not having such a roller coaster mm -hmm. because the adrenals are in a healthier state. Right. And so when they need to kick up and make a little bit, when they recognize, Ooh, the ovaries aren't making this estrogen, they're not in such shock. Like, Oh my God, right. <laughs> what am right. I doing? I'm, I'm unhealthy anyways. And I really can't produce any of these sex hormones. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. No, those are great tips. Like moral of the story, y'all just manage your stress. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Breathing is, is your own miracle, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. That's what it's for. That's the other thing. The other thing I have this conversation all the time, because we also do, I do Pilates teacher trainings at my studio and we talk about breathing and how people like, honestly, I'm not saying this to be like, people really don't know how to breathe. Like they really don't breathe. Yep. They don't know how to breathe. And you know, a lot of us have an Apple watch and if you don't set an alarm on your phone, but mm -hmm. just taking those deep breaths throughout the day or recognizing like I'm literally holding my breath. Right exactly. Now. Exactly. Yep. Makes a yep. world of a difference. <laughs> so I, I do want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk a little bit about you and how you got into this space. So can you just give just kind of a picture into where you, how you got on this path and yeah, how you got into this, this field? Yeah. So I became a family nurse practitioner and I kind of knew from the beginning, I didn't want to go directly into to primary care, partly because I wanted to work with people who really wanted to make a change in their bodies. They really, they weren't just showing up for their yearly checkup and give me the pills, you know, that they were a little yep. bit more proactive. So I knew that kind of off the bat, I ended up working at, as a primary care provider at a hormone clinic. And so I was doing a lot of hormone supplementation we were also doing some weight loss. But what I still found there was that I, I wasn't truly solving the problems because yes, I had menopausal women in there who opt, you know, that needed bioidentical estrogen replacement. Mm -hmm. But I had a lot of men in there who were wanting testosterone replacement. A lot of women who were premenopausal struggling with fatigue and weight gain, anxiety, depression. 
all of these issues. And to me, I just didn't feel aligned anymore with just giving them all testosterone. Cause I'm like, why do they need this? Like what's underlying? So that got me on the path of studying functional medicine, which is really the study of root cause medicine. Why are you not producing testosterone? Why do you have fatigue? Why are you not sleeping at night? Why do you have anxiety? And I just fell in love with the idea that I could actually help people by studying the root cause. Yep. And so I took the leap about 15 months ago and I left the clinic to create my own online space, which is where I can spend a lot more time with my one-on-one clients. I'm creating groups this year where we can get together and I can share information like we're talking about now with clients who really want to make the commitment to themselves because it does require, and we've talked a lot about this. It requires some lifestyle commitments. Yeah, it does. It requires you recognizing, hmm, I have a cycle that I need to pay attention to. So it requires you to be engaged in your own health, but in doing so, clients are so empowered and women can step out. Like my goal is for you to not need me forever. (laughs) My goal is for my clients to work with me for a period of time, get really clear through some functional medicine testing so that they know their own body better and then have, you know, conversations like we're having right now so that they know how to serve their body, how to support their body. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. And that's, I'm, I'm an FDMP and that's what we do too. It's the same thing. It's like, stop treating the symptoms and let's like figure out what the cause is. And that, I mean, that's really how you make, that's the only way really that you can make really like real lasting changes in the body. And like you said, it does take a level of commitment. Like there is this sense, like it's, it's an opt in like form of treatment. Like you have to be able to be willing to, you know, commit to yourself and the process and all of that. Yeah. That's great. It's it's so empowering though. You know, it really takes away the reliance on a provider to make this for you. Exactly. And you know, this is your body and you deserve to know how it works. Yep. And how yep. to it, so. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. Okay. I do have one more question I always like to end with, but before I ask that question, can you let everybody know where they can find out more about you and maybe working with you and where they can learn all about that? Yeah, absolutely. I primarily work on social media right now. And so you can find me on Instagram at Krista Elza. That's my handle, just mm-hmm. at Chris Elza. Sure. Same name on Facebook as well. So okay. on Instagram and on Facebook, you'll see links where you can connect. You can find a time to contact me through that. Perfect. All right. And I'll have links to all that in the show notes for everybody to check that out. And the last question I want to ask you is, what is one thing that you can do to live with purpose? I think that living with purpose requires you to be in the present moment. And so often we are operating out of the past or the future. Mm -hmm. We're not just with the current moment. And so I would say two tips. I would say number one is really be present with where you are. And then the next thing is to really sit with what you want to leave as a legacy for your name. Like what, what do you want your name to mean? And to really sit with that and then move forward in that, with that in mind Yeah. and the decisions that you make. I love that. That's wonderful. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Krista, for all. This is super informative and insightful and it was perfect. So thank you so much for all of your information. Yeah, I was so happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. 
And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.